This is Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. From Monaco to Indianapolis, Le Mans to Daytona, and everywhere in between. This is your one-stop shop for provocative motorsport talk. From the ITA Podcast Network, this is the Into the Paddock Podcast. Into the Paddock Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Into the Paddock podcast. My name is Jordan Groves and once again I am joined by the intrepid co-hosts Greg Meismer and John Javicki. How are you guys? I'm good. I'm good. I'm stupendous. Yeah, it feels like after the last few weeks we kind of got spoiled a bit with all the endurance races and this week was kind of a little bit of calm before everything just explodes in the in the next couple of weeks. So... We have they, got some racing action to talk about, though. They knew that Valentine's Day was uh, Tuesday, <laughs> and so they did it for all of us and our significant others to make sure that we could pay more attention to them, give them the love that they are being neglected because of our addiction to motorsport and everything around it. But uh, yeah, my assembly, <laughs> my assembly runs on Tuesdays, and uh, they chose not to run tomorrow same same <laughs> not that i'm not that i'm affected by this at all but the nightmare has to be when valentine's day is on a sunday <laughs> it just like, valentine's God. i just it sucks it's a it's a they want to oh my microphone's falling they just want to make more money off of us it's an mm-hmm. excuse for our significant other to complain the, anyways, I, I better just stop it right now before I get shot. Does your significant other listen to this podcast? Yeah, quit while you're ahead, but I'm not telling her what the name of the podcast is. She just Good. knows we do it down here. So, <laughs> if you're if you're mysteriously missing before the next episode, we'll know she. That's found why. Out. That's why. Just uh, you know, Greg, you can have my uh, my ultra wide screen, and then uh, you know, Jordan, Thank if you. you want my DD one, if I'm dead, take it. You know, whatever. Split it up the the best you can. And if you wear an XL glove size, there's plenty of Maradness gloves behind me. So, (laughs) love you guys. Thanks. (laughs) And say it his own farewells. Good heavens. Well, before that happens, we ought to um, talk about the racing that did happen uh, over the last weekend. And it was mainly Formula E. There, there was some WRC. Um, we'll briefly mention that. That was Rally Sweden where o- uh, Oit Tanak won for Ford. But um, no one was um, celebrating Valentine's Day early at the side of the track with that one. So this, there wasn't really <laughs> much to talk about with this That's one. It's not really par for the course for WRC this year. No, no, it's a shame. I thought that was going to be a tradition to continue. Well, it might have happened. We just didn't see it. And, you know, anyway, um, (laughs) the the racing that we will focus on, however, was the um, fourth round of the Formula E championship at uh, India. It was the first Indian Formula E race at Hyderabad. Um, 
it certainly kicked off in an interesting way um, before we talk about any of the racing that happened because the Friday practice session was delayed by like 45 minutes to an hour for one of the one of the more weirder reasons that I've ever heard. Um, it turns out that um, somehow, either be it due to the circuit not being, being a street track, uh, either the track wasn't closed properly or people found their way to open it again. And uh, I'm quoting the um, Hindustan ambassador, I believe is the newspaper. Um, Dozens of vehicles, including several tuk-tuks, managed to get onto the track, hoping to use the road as usual. Dozens, apparently. Dozens? I thought it (laughs) was just like one or two stray cars that just couldn't find the parking lot. It was like, like somebody thought the road was open again. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so we don't we don't know how they got on, but reportedly, yeah, dozens of vehicles um, piled onto the track, trying to use it the road as per normal when it would have been open, um, and then the um, the mem- people in the cars and the tuk tuks were then angry when they got confronted by security, and then it took ages for them to get kicked off the track. Jeez, so, I didn't realize that. I thought they were just like. Like oh, the track is a little dusty. We need to we need to sweep the dust up. And the yeah, they, they were very. Oh, we haven't seen a sweep truck go by. I wonder what's happening. <laughs> they were very secretive about it, and I think it's you know it's traditional FIA thing where they don't want to publicize when there's been a fuck up, basically. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, they they threw out the traditional FIA catch-all statement saying it was force majeure, which is which is basically FIA speak for we done fucked it. Um, <laughs> But um, yeah, so that that was a, an interesting uh, way for the event to start, and with you know, given given that most of the Formula E races start uh, race on street tracks, you know, it, it's something that I'm surprised doesn't happen more often, where sessions are delayed either for track repair or for tuk tuks on the track and stuff like that. But um, yeah, that was interesting <laughs> that's 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 crazy that it was dozens though i still like yeah. there were there were no shots of it i can't find pictures of that anywhere like yeah they kept it hidden very well wow. <laughs> damn but you that's but funny. as you speaking alluded of, to go on and say speaking of formula e um i, I if you wouldn't mind giving me a, a the a, a formula e for dummies rundown so I uh, I watched the five minute highlight on YouTube, um, mm. which was actually very entertaining. Um, there was crashing, there was some tight racing. Um, you know, it, it's it's one of those series that I've heard about but never really watched or even watched a video on it. So to um, to see that, like I said, the short clip, um, you know, definitely has me intrigued about uh, about this series. So. Um, like for example, one of the turns that they were highlighting, uh, it was a big sweeping, like, uh, you know, 90 degree turn, if not smaller, maybe a, like a 40 degree turn. Um, some of the cars were going really tight to the corner around the wall. And then there was also this portion that you could go, uh, a little bit deeper into the turn. There was like these lines and it looked like there was something special they could do by doing that. So again, I'll shut up. If you would give give us maybe some of the viewers who are also feel like a Formula E dummy with me um, a, a little breakdown of of just you know we know we know their cars and we know they race but uh, what are some of the highlights uh, of this particular series? 
So, so what sets Formula E ab- apart from many other series, say for maybe like Rallycross and stuff like that, is they have quite a lot of gimmicks. Um, when, when Formula E first started, they had loads of stuff. They had um, Fan Boost, for example, where people online could vote for their favorite driver and they'd get a power boost for it to use during the race, which I hated. Um, a lot of people but, seem to hate it. I thought it was kind of cool. I thought it was pretty cool. But in principle, think- it's not a bad idea. It's just it was executed horribly, and you could vote as many times as you wanted to. It was always the same drivers that won because, like, their fan bases were just spamming it constantly. So it wasn't great. But the one yeah, you're right. alluding to is um, the attack mode. So what that is, it's like a they will pick a slowish corner um, that has a very determined line to it say a hairpin or something like that and then around the outside of that hairpin they will have several like uh checkpoints that the driver has to pass through usually which spans the outside radius of the corner um and if they go through that checkpoint they then get a power boost for a predetermined amount of time um so the idea is that it's to make it a bit more tactical because formula e in the past has been usually an energy conservation thing where not many people will try and race until the end when they know they have enough energy. So what they did was they made this tactical thing where you have to take it twice. Therefore, when you take it, you could lose position if somebody's close behind you, but then you could then repass them with the boost if you were quick enough. So yeah, that's that one. It's available for, so you take it twice, right? And it's available for four minutes in total. And you can... Mm. You can choose how you want to do it. You can do like three minutes the first time and then one minute the second time, mm. two and two, uh, you know, one and three, however you want to do it. Uh, you can break those four minutes up. But yeah, it's for four four minutes mm. total of extra power. And it got, it got pretty dicey. There were a couple of lead changes because people were trying mm. to do the boost. I think, I think Cassidy ended up losing out on the race. Had Cassidy not taken that uh attack mode when he did i think he could have held on to the lead because again he had he had three percent by the end of the race whereas our our winner jean Rick verne he had zero point something (laughs) you know at the end of the race he almost ran out of energy it was it was close me and my brother were watching like oh he's not gonna make it he's not gonna make it he's not gonna make it it, it, the final lap of these races is always the most tense thing, but especially now for this year, that because we used to have timed races and now we have lapped. And you now have the added lap feature, added time feature, where um, if there was a safety car, they can add laps to the race distance. And they announced that very late. So teams who are a bit in a hole with energy will all of a sudden be like, oh, shit, we've got to do another lap. Um, yeah. And then they've got to try and save enough energy for it but it, it's it's when you see in the fight when they're under a percent and you see how much energy they use on a much more granular you see you see it 0.1.2.3 and then you see the regening through the corner it I, I wish we could see that level of granularity with how much energy they're using throughout the race because oh, yeah. it, it really does yeah. show you how they're how much they're recouping under every corner like Jean Eric Verne, on that on that final lap he was in one percent starting the lap and had like half a percent with half a lap to go and still managed to just hold on. It was, it's really yeah. impressive technology. And it was supposed to take up to 3% of energy to run the lap, right? To yeah. run the race. Cause it was only 30, supposed to be 31, but it ended up being 32 laps after they added the time. 
And yeah, so it was supposed to be right around 3% energy mm-hmm. per lap. And as soon as they announced that last lap, I was like, nah, he doesn't have, he's at 3% now. He doesn't have another 9, 6% or whatever it was that he needed to make the end of the race. But under re, under the braking, that regen was crazy. You know, 1% to 2% in, in a couple of the bigger braking zones. It, it's mad. And a couple of years ago, like I said, when it, when it was timed races, so you never had an idea rough of how many laps you were going to get. There was an occasion, it was either last year or the year before when the Mexico round was at Puebla. Um, they had a situation where the leaders, who I believe were Porsche at the time, um, they somewhat deliberately forced the race to go a lap longer than it needed to. And then you had like most of the field, like three quarters of the field run out of energy on the final lap. <laughs> it was just <laughs> chaos <laughs> but Porsche were like, like it might have been Porsche I might be remembering it wrong but the team that were leading had enough energy yeah. to do another lap so they were like <laughs> Bants let's do yeah, it let's do another <laughs> lap <laughs> but um, I saw there's uh, so I'm assuming the team that has Andretti in their name is related hmm. to Andretti and there was a Penske yes. as well um, you know, Penske I, is not related. It's so, not related. Yeah, okay. The Andretti is related to Andretti. The Penske is another Penske. A different Penske. Confusing. Poor man's Penske. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like I said, I, I, you know, when I first heard about Formula E, they were driving electric little Formula cars around. No, thank you. Um, you know, and and until I talked with you guys, and, and again, didn't get a chance to watch the race live, but saw the highlights, I was like, you know, this is actually pretty damn cool. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I look I mean, forward to watching it you know, th- for the rest of the year. I think it's going to be great. This was this was my first time watching a full, you know, I've watched, you know, YouTube clips and some highlights here and there, but this was my first time watching a full Formula E race. And I got to say, I didn't hate it. I yeah. I, I actually love the sounds, right? It, not it's just weird, the, isn't it? It does sound the sound good. Of the, the car, but you can really hear the air moving off the arrow. You can really hear the, like how stressed the tires are getting in some of the turns. Uh, and, and, you know, as a, as a sim racer, that's more input mm. for us, right? You know, you think about, you know, you, 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 you got to take away the physicality of getting thrown around the car and you got to turn your tire volume up. So I got to think in the formula car, when there's not all the engine noise, they can probably hear the tires. Right, like for sure, it, the thing's not screaming when you let off the the throttle. So, uh, yeah, you they 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 got to be able to hear the tires getting to the edge, and and there's probably a sound associated with actually pushing the tire over the edge. Uh, you know, it was it was crazy. Yeah, the 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 noises from the crash on Friday during practice. Mm. Oh. It emphasizes it so much more, doesn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It it you hear you hear every little bit. You hear the carbon falling on the ground. You hear the the squeal of the tires. You, all the crunchy, crazy noises that happens when a car hits the barricade. Uh, it was yeah, it was an experience. I, I'm excited to watch more. Hmm. I, I think I, formula. Go on. Well, I was, I was about to say something. I did have a question about is the safety regarding the battery in impact situations, right? I'm sure we've all seen videos of what happens when batteries go up in flames. 
mm. or they get punctured or or you know stuff like that and i i've i gotta imagine there's just tons of carbon fiber around those power cells but how do you put a fire out like that you know <laughs> it's something that hasn't come up like i've, I've yeah. watched every formula e-race since its inception um and i can't honestly recall there being a significant battery related fire or safety issue um certainly nothing major that there might yeah. have been like the odd moment in a shakedown or a practice session the closest thing we've had to safety failures in formula e were actually in pre-season testing this year and that wasn't to do with the battery it was to do with the brakes um mm. but um yeah it just hasn't come up so either either it's completely safe or the safeguards they have put in have really have been really effective yeah to to prevent anything like that happening well you've you've seen formula one races where drivers are being told hey stand up onto the the halo or the edge of the car don't touch anything metal and then jump as far away from the car mm. as you can don't touch the car because of something in the hybrid system failed or was it the curse system or so something it can was, either or yeah there was there was some component on the car that could fail in such a way that it would mess with the grounding and they would have to be told don't touch anything metal you know make a big giant leap from the car and get as far away from it as you can so uh, you know what's i guess the fact that it's just one big battery and not like several different systems integrated into each other that have these weak points that can fail and you know there's obviously no fire uh in an electric engine it's, there's no combustion so it, yeah i don't know i don't know i i i just had a weird weird thoughts during the race about like oh man if if this car breaks in half, like what happened with uh, Romain Grosjean mm. or, or, you know, any number of the major crashes that Formula One's seen over the years, this could be catastrophic, like yeah. in, a, in a crazy, crazy way. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's something you think about when, when you're introduced to a new series that's fundamentally very different from everything else, like electric yeah. racing. It's the sort of thing that you're just like, what if this happens? And so far mercifully we haven't experienced anything majorly dangerous that's unique to electric racing that ju it just hasn't been a thing that we've seen in formula e at least as you say it has been a thing where other series have implemented partial electrification but it, it there hasn't there haven't been many major incidents that were solely because these cars are fully electric but i, I guess that's just testament to this series now being 10 seasons old you know it, it, it's I think is it really it 10 seasons? 2014 it started so technically I think it's probably the ninth season. Okay. But, dang. Um, but the the evolution from the first race which was awful. The first series was terrible. Um you, you had two cars per driver per race right. because these cars couldn't do the full race distance. They were slow as shit. Um and then, you know, the Gen 2 car was a massive step up, both in speed and racing action. And now the Gen 3 car is superb. Like, the speed that thing generates on the on the, on the courses that they run. I wasn't uh, prepared for the, when the green flag dropped, when the lights went out, and... They just, go. Ow, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, they... It, it'll blow your eyeballs back. Mm. And I think I this like track showcased how quick and agile these cars are as well. I remember you saying after seeing some of practice, like the combination of the dust 
and also you know the the way the corners were and how sketchy it was if you went offline and how yeah much the drivers were tempted to go offline you could really see how fast these cars were in Hyderabad and you've only got to see you know Pascal's crash in practice one that was at a relatively slow speed corner for the track mm-hmm. and it totaled it you know I the, think, the his, I think his throttle got stuck right yes his throttle got stuck at 100 percent or something like that and just <laughs> yeah drove him that- into the fucking wall and it was a software issue which is something yeah. that you know in motorsport you don't hear very often you know yeah, so, so wh- whilst I say there hasn't been many cases of things that happen because of the full electrification, you see it a lot with when when you make, not just in Formula E, but like I, it bears in mind with Formula One, you know, when we've got brake by wire and sort of more electrification and less analog physical things making the mm-hmm. car do slowing down you know we we see these kind of crashes happen more often and obviously with formula e being mostly electrical you know we we have had a couple of incidents in the past where either throttles have jammed or brakes have gone but um yeah it i guess it's just part and parcel of full electrification and that's that's an inherent risk in motorsport Mm. right yeah how many times have we seen it in nascar yeah brakes fail throttle you know a throttle line gets stuck uh, get get you know if it's a mechanical throttle, something getting wedged and throwing you into the wall. But yeah, didn't that happen? Yeah, in twenty four hours of spa. I forget which. Uh, I want to say, and and I could be off on this. I want to say the um, uh, Raffaello Marchiello, uh in the AMG that won. There was something wrong with their throttle like there was something or maybe i'm totally off on that <laughs> I, I have no idea take that back i one time when i was watching motorsports somebody had something stuck in their like throttle pedal and it was stopping them from you know they, they're still driving but it was definitely an issue that they were talking there about. was charles leclerc last year in austria um the final few laps while he was leading there was something with the throttle where it was staying on longer than it should yeah um that that could be it that's the most was recent that when there was like, like a piece of carbon car. that got caught up in the car i can't remember i i can't remember exactly you guys can it. just but, remove but you, this but bit you do the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it's an example you know it does happen yeah, yeah, right, a little yeah, more often right. than you would think yeah for sure um but yeah so this one this race yeah as you say won by Vern, somehow holding off cassidy even though he had a lot more energy and as you said it, it had a bit of everything like the Jaguars were looking fairly strong after Mitch Evans got pole position and then Samba decided to delete them both from the situation. Uh, yeah. And that was not great. <laughs> I think, was it the Mahindra or the Nissan? Another, like a couple of other cars ended up getting stopped yeah. on track because of that incident. And that was purely because of the dust as well. You know, Sam Bird went offline to try and make a move into the hairpin, couldn't stop the car. Yeah. T-Bone, his teammate, caught um, Fenetraz in it. Yep. And yep. yeah, yep. as you say, another one who I don't remember. But that was, uh, yeah, could have been. Um, and then, you know, we were just talking about things getting stuck in cars. And you had, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> this was a bit sketchy because Formula E didn't decide like there was debris all over the track from a front wing that they didn't decide to clear up. So then part of that front wing got wedged in um, Jake Hughes's McLaren uh, part. Well, well, no. So the wing hit his mirror, the mirror flew into the cockpit and the mirror jammed the steering wheel. Oh yeah. In in reading the article, it's, he said that the, 
the the mirror broke. I, I don't I don't remember if it was from debris getting hit, like or I think another car hit him. I'm not I'm not exactly sure. There was an impact he mentioned where the mirror got broken. He said it was flopping around the outside for like 15 laps because uh, they have tethers on them similar to the tire tethers to keep the mirrors from just flying off and hitting somebody, which makes sense. But at some point, I guess when he was taking that turn three hairpin, it was the right turn, the right mirrors broke. The air, the wind just blew it up into the car and it got stuck mm. in the steering wheel and turning at a kind of a right angle. Yeah, it just kept turning into a wall. Yep. Yep. It's certainly a bizarre one. I, I can't remember the last time I've heard a, a car retiring from a race after their own mirror got wedged in their wheel. But um, <laughs> um, And then that wasn't even the end of it because the safety car that ensued from that saw a, a restart, which then saw Hughes' teammate, Rene Rast, run over the back of uh, Jake Dennis, who was running yep. in a position where he would have assumed the championship lead. He then had to pit for major repairs and that swung the pendulum where Pascal Verlein, who'd been running much of the race in the lower regions of the points, if not out of it, suddenly he manages to finish the race fourth after crossing the line fifth. But Sebastian Buemi, who had finished third, got a penalty for a a power overuse and they gave him a 17-second penalty, which put him down to 15th in the end or something like that. 17 Um, seconds... And that, that could be, and it's quite often been in the past, that will be a momentary spike over the pre-allocated maximum energy output usage. So like it can go it can dip over for like less than half a second and boom, that's an over en- energy overuse and you're out. Like wow. it's incre- and given, you know, the rough nature of the corners, you know, if if a car goes over a bump, the wheels lower off the air, it suddenly speeds up. That mm-hmm. could be what causes the overspeed. So it, it happens quite a lot, which is one of the probably flaws of, of Formula E at the yeah, moment. Gonna there are quite a few out. technical sanctions, but they're going to yeah. have to figure that one out. But uh, oh, another thing I loved about the race was, you know, you, you said he got a 17 second time penalty and it put him back into 15th place. Those cars were following close. Yeah. Like super close. For more than half the race, you were, you were watching the top 12. We're bumper to bumper, damn near touching for, you know, 12 laps or so. It was, mm. it was exciting racing. What you want to see in formula one. I want a formula one race. It's this exciting. And that's been the one yeah. constant throughout formula E's history is whilst the cars have sped up and, and improved in that sense, they've always been able to run like touring car style, bumper to bumper or wing to wing. And it's always been, Really exciting. And and yes, a, a lot of the commentators and, and fans would say that Hyderabad was one of, if not the best Formula E races of, of the history. Um, I, I don't know whether I'd necessarily go that far. I think recency bias is a bit to go into it, but that was a really good race. And they happen way more often than not. So yeah, apparently I, I think Formula E does get overlooked. So, But if, if like you guys, you're just getting into Formula E... Um, it's, it's worth a go. I, I know a lot of people don't like it or have reservations about it because of the electrification and whatnot. And there have been reasons in the past to not think it's great, but it's really finding its feet now. And it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you I go to if, the yeah. old, uh, look at the teams, look at their colors, look at their logo and pick out a, a team to root for based off of my, <laughs> my standard criteria for new motorsports. So, We'll see. I'll let you guys but, know who it is next week. 
Yeah, Excellent. let us know for sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who I'm going to go for. I, I, uh, I want to like the the Maserati team. Hmm. I want to. I like I to hear to Jordan play. say Jaguar. Yeah, Jaguar is good. Jaguar. Uh, but yeah, it, uh, next race is February 25th in Cape Town, South Africa. Yeah, another nice. new another new um, location for them. Uh, that's the other thing. Formula E's calendar is like changing every year, basically, and they're always adding new venues, and new venues just makes it all the more exciting. So we go from a new venue in Hyderabad to a new venue in Cape Town, and then another new venue in on the streets of Sao Paulo after that. So it, it's worth watching. It's, re- it's really exciting. Yeah, um, so if you like and- it, check it out. Uh, yeah, we spent yes, 30 right. minutes on it, so hashtag <laughs> Formula E, come check us out. <laughs> I know, that was sentimentally dumb. <laughs> oh, there's no such thing, but, yeah. Um, that's true. Before we go to our... So that that was kind of the, the racing action that we had over the last weekend. The other stuff that we'll start talking about now, just before our, our break in about 15 minutes or whenever it is, um, we can't not talk about the Formula One car launches because they have been continuing and are, well, they're going to be over in a couple of days, but we've got a couple that are yet to happen as of the recording of this podcast. But we'll start off in order and we're going to be reacting to stuff that's visual. So it's not the gre- greatest thing for a podcast medium, but whatever. <laughs> um, first on the 9th, we had the Alfa Romeo launched. Uh, what do we think of of that? I think it's sexy. <laughs> I know some people have been dogging on it, saying it's uh, you know poor man's Ferrari, but I I really like it. I like the black and red, uh, you know, two tone look to it. Um, yeah, you're seeing a lot of black coming out of these cars nowadays. Yeah, it's that weight savings. Yeah. exactly <laughs> it's it's a shame you know because of the weight the weight reduction that they're trying to do because the cars are heavy like there's no way about it like they need to be lighter and narrower and all of the stuff but the bad part of that weight reduction is that we're getting a lot of teams just going for exposed carbon and it's mm-hmm. it, it looked cool when they first started doing it but now when every team is is full carbon basically it's it doesn't look great the the, the alpha i think until to Day's car launches, which we'll get onto in a moment, was right. my favorite. But mm-hmm. it, it's very Ferrari to me, especially given that Ferrari added more black to their livery last year. I, I think if that hadn't happened, I'd be like, yeah, this is great. But knowing mm-hmm. that Ferrari is probably going to look exactly the same. Yeah. And this is the actual car, too, right? It's kind of the actual car. So we saw like the major difference between the car that they launched to the car that then they shook down at wherever it was they shook it down, I assume Silverstone. Um, was the they had a lot of uh, on on the floor along the side of the cars. It was it was like loads of knives, basically. Um, you can you can really see it from top down views. It was just co- like loads of little serrated edges almost, and and they were mm-hmm. gone. Uh, Cheese grater, actually, yeah, like that. <laughs> um, and yeah, they were gone when they actually shook the car down. But ostensibly, it was the car just a few minor alterations but then you've got to expect that by the time they actually turn up to bahrain the vast majority of the cars that are being revealed will look massively different anyway i like Um, this uh, engine cover design yeah it's Uh, it's really impressive to see how they're packaging everything it's it's erotic I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) i'm sharing i'm sharing the screen now so maybe we can get a video clip Mm. of it but yeah no it's uh 
a little erotic. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, shit, I, I'm I, aroused yeah, but... now. <laughs> Given how much you've mentioned edging since last week, I'm not surprised. Uh, we'll move on oh. before that can of worms gets open again to the Alpha Tauri. This one was very divisive um, amongst the fan base. It's a, a, very similar to last year's. But like in color scheme wise, mm-hmm. uh, they've changed like the layout of things. They've made the Alpha Tauri logo bigger on the airbox and stuff like that. But the main addition is now they've got the Orland sponsorship away from Sauber. They've added flashes of red to the livery. Um, I quite like it. Yeah, I don't have anything bad um, to say about it. I I don't. I'll be the other guy. I I there's something about the red accents that just it. It pops, but I, I, I just in my mind it doesn't flow well with the, mm. the other. And I get it, like Orlean, like you always said, it's red, red and white. Um, but then they have the flex box there on the, uh, on Clash the, is horrible. the front, right? And it just kind of, eh. you know, I've I've always liked. I think they are always have a good livery. Like I mm. like their general design. But is the front wing is that black, and then? You've got yes. navy blue, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot going on. I know in the past it was carbon. always you know you don't you don't do navy blue and black. It's not, but then like you know, I mean they're a thing, fashion so. company. I'll trust maybe they're they're, they're setting the trend. You know, I know there was a trend for a while where you have like navy blue suit jacket with like the uh, the black lapel was a style that was in. I mean they're. They might win out the award for the shortest team if you look at that picture. <laughs> shortest team, but I'm sorry. We all know that the genetically perfect racing driver is tiny. So I yeah. mean, if, minimal if it's weight just based off of the ideal racing driver, then they should win the world championship. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> all that um, weight savings. Yeah. <laughs> um, after the Alpha Tauri, we had a few days longer to wait. Um, and that was until the day that we're recording this. And then we got two reveals in one, which was good. Um, the second one of the day, which annoyingly I've put in the wrong order, but we'll talk about it first, the Aston Martin. Um, Livery-wise, exactly the same as last year, but I'm personally of the opinion that this is one that they didn't need to change because mm-hmm. it's beautiful. Um, yeah. What, what do we think of that? <laughs> this uh, is the, also the, actually the car as well. The livery looks fine. I hmm. love the bathtub style side pods. Yeah. Oh, that, that's something it. they've definitely borrowed from Ferrari last year with their massive. I loved it on the Ferrari. Channels. I loved it on and the Ferrari. then they kind of have the side pod of like the, they've got the best of both worlds, a little bit of the uh, Red Bull and then the. It swoops uh, down Ferrari. and it's a bathtub. Yeah. It, from the front, this thing looks mean. Interesting. Yeah, I like that. That, that angle is really cool. Too bad Lance this- Stroll's driving it. For the viewers, we're looking at it head on. I Nose think is right the, in our face. With, with a lot of the cars that we've seen that are actually going to be the cars that are raced, um, we've seen a lot of them borrowing the side pod design around the bottom where it tapers in so quickly toward the front nose section. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of teams borrowing that design just to better utilize the Venturi tunnels, which make the ground effect work. That that was expected, but mm-hmm. yeah, Aston Martin have also, yeah, as we say, borrowed the Ferrari ethos with the um, 
the huge channels on the top of the side pods as well. So it, it, it's it's always interesting in the second year of a major technical regulation change to see who borrows what. And obviously Aston Martin have been quite famous in the last few years for borrowing a little more than others. So, um, yeah. And, and as for where they're expecting, you know, Al- Alonso seems very adamant that he's been encouraged by what Aston Martin are doing. They're, they're saying they're not going to be in the title hunt this year, but they're looking to make a step forward. And if we look at their improvements over the last year, you know, they, they definitely improved as the year went on last year. And I, I, must, I must say that the one thing they spoke more about in the uh, car launch, more than the car, was their new team base. Like every other word was, we've got this new headquarters that we're building. And, <laughs> you know, if, if that is as big of a, a milestone for them as they seem to be suggesting, then yeah, Aston Martin could definitely be one of the teams that grows the most over the next few years. Is their wind tunnel done yet? They already get that done? I don't believe so. I don't think they actually have use of their own independent one. I believe they use somebody else's, but that might change in the next few years with this new um, headquarters they're building. It's going to be big. Hmm. And I know they're limited to a certain amount of wind tunnel time, but... Yeah, when being you able to use to your own is still advantageous. Yeah. yeah, when you don't have to go anywhere for it, you don't have to hmm. pay anybody any money. It's just there when you're ready. Mm. I know that's what McLaren are looking at. McLaren's new wind tunnel, I believe, will go online for next year. I believe they said in their launch. So, you know, it, it's in this era of ground effect, aero is just as important. Um, speaking of McLaren, earlier in the day before the Aston Martin launch, we had theirs. And this was another livery that didn't change much, subtle changes. But again, I'm of the opinion that this is another one that didn't really need to change because. Yeah. It's one of the most eye-catching and modern iconic, I would call it. Um, what do we think of this one? A lot more black. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah, A lot more black. There's always people crying every time the McLaren releases a car. We wanted more papaya. They could make this car <laughs> straight orange. And it wouldn't be. No sponsorships, no blue accents, no, no bare carbon fiber, and people would still want more papaya. I love it. It's a good color, but why is that the hill you're going to die on? Mm. And and when we had a car that was 90% papaya like four or five years ago, people were complaining that it was a little plain. So it's like, yeah. what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do you people want? But I yeah, like I've the, uh, a big fan. how the chrome uh, they've got on the, uh, what's the engine cover there, the word chrome for Google Chrome and how it ties into the... Uh, the wheels with the uh, the yellow, red, blue, and green. Mm. You mean uh, the chrome wheels? The chrome wheels, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, I, it works I really like well. this one out of all the ones that kind of went, kept their similar styling, but changed. I think they, in my opinion, McLaren did the best as far as, you know, going from a really good livery in the first place to making some minor tweaks. Yeah. I just think it looks great. I've always liked that. Like you said, we, the one that came out last year, I thought was awesome. Anyway, so are they still so, using the uh, the electronic advertising boards on the um, um, on the okay. wheels? Well, no, it was on the it was next to the driver, just oh. kind of on the horizontal plane of the cockpit. You know, I believe uh, that was a concept they trialed for like a practice session or one race or something like that. With a view were, I think to, they did it for a whole race. Yeah, for with a view to that being something that they implement in the future. But I think with 
the focus on weight saving at the moment in this year of Formula One, I think that probably would have tipped them over the edge. But I could see that kind of active sponsor board being something that is implemented in future. So, so of the um, liveries that have been revealed so far, what are our favorites? Mine's the McLaren. Uh, I like the Haas, and I like uh, I like the Alpha. The Haas and the Alpha, I think, are my favorite so far. I I'll, I said it last week, and I'll say it again. The Haas looks like it's in a tuxedo, and I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I'm I'm Alpha Alpha, and then McLaren, and then Haas. Real quickly, I know this wasn't on our list. However, our favorite former Haas driver, Nikita Mazepin. Did get a podium this past weekend in the uh, Asian Le Mans series. P3. Yeah. Yeah. We, Apparently he we didn't talk talked about that before. We <laughs> talked about it before the show started. Did you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's what I get for not, you know, <laughs> trying to add something to the show before. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we we're, I think we were thinking about it, but you know, it's. <laughs> in such it's insert the Jer- anything going on the Jeremy Clarkson anyway um, <laughs> <laughs> um no I, I think uh I think I think all the cars uh, out of out of all the cars not one of them looks terrible I'll hmm. go with that you know yeah uh McLaren seem to be adding a lot more black to their suit this year too yeah, they're going for the grey because there's been a lot of, um, in, in the last few years, particularly when Mercedes first went to the black overalls, black car, their drivers were complaining a lot of heat because of the, the black clothing. So, yeah, they've gone a little greyer with that <laughs> just to try and combat that, especially with um, how hot it gets with Formula 1 and, and considering how often Lando is ill. You know, it's 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 not surprising. <laughs> just a sickly child. He is, he is. It happens when you're seven. Um, is that company <laughs> OKX or is it OKK? Um, on their, like one of their title sponsors. On I their, think it's on their OKX. Belly. OKX, okay. For whatever reason I see that, I want to just keep, I keep saying to myself. Yeah, okay, yeah, no, it's OKX. OKKK. OK, <laughs> just whatever reason. Anyways, anyways. They also have Jack Daniels on the nose. What? Mm. Yeah, they are. You're that, right. In terms of the most yeah. sponsored team, they have so many, but they have a lot. But yeah, no, there's Jack Daniels right there. On the it's it's a credit to, it too. It's a credit to the advert, the the sponsors that McLaren are able to get work with them. You know, we've seen in in the last few years, you know, big companies like Chrome, JD, uh, you know, um, oh. they, they are Golf, DeWalt. You know, they 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 are their marketing department is is working. Everybody um, loves Zach Brown. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for the rest of this week, so the 14th, uh, so tomorrow, so the day this will go out, probably the Ferrari is launched in the morning. That's the one I'm personally looking forward to the most because that's usually stunning. Um, and then on the 15th, guess, we have going to be red. I, you'd be shocked if it wasn't. <laughs> I'm kind of <laughs> hoping. I'm kind of hoping they add a little bit more yellow, like the hypercar um, livery has. But we'll we'll see about that. And anything cool. that evokes the 90s would be cool. Well, yellow game. accents. Yeah. Well, yellow is is the OG Ferrari color, right? Mm, yeah, they, it is true. they only race in red because red is the Italian racing color. Yes, indeed. Um, 
And then on the 15th, we have the Mercedes. And there's still the great debate as to whether the car will be black or silver. In a year where every other car is going black, it will be hilarious if they still keep the silver. <laughs> um, and I hope they do because of that, because the, the field is very dark at the moment. Yeah. Um, and then on the 16th, we have the final livery, which will be the Alpine. Um, although on the same day as this uh, McLaren and Aston Martin launch, we did have both the Williams and the Alpine being shaken down at Silverstone though we didn't actually see what the Alpine looked like yet. so. But yeah, after that, by the end of this week, we'll have all the cars ready for pre-season testing at the end of the month. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited. Let's get Formula One going again. I'm tired Absolutely. of all the football talk after the fucking yeah. Super Bowl. I, I didn't want to talk about that because that game very quickly went from being one of the best Super Bowls to the final five minutes ruining it for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't I have no idea what you're talking about. Didn't watch it. Had, had no plans on watching it. I looked at my girlfriend at one point where I was like, you want to watch the Super Bowl? She was like, mm, nah. Yeah, it was watch the game all season. Yeah, like uh, up until the final five minutes, it was amazing. And then the officials did did a stupid and it ended uh, badly. Yeah. But, it's, been um, a theme. it's been a yeah. theme with the, uh, the old Chiefs there. We'll leave it at that, right? <laughs> Maybe that's um, something we can talk about on our sister podcast about the Super yeah. Bowl, about the NFL. I know Greg's keen on that. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's about into the shoulder pads. Oh, that would be so good. <laughs> That would be so good. I get to talk for an hour and a half each week about how the Colts are fucking awful. Um, it's about time for our break. So um, we'll be back with more Formula One news and some uh, preview for Daytona 500 this weekend. Um, so join us in a couple of moments' time. With half the show gone, there's still half the show still to go. This is the Into the Paddock Podcast. The Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network is a weekly destination for motorsport fans. With a range of shows that cover sim racing to real racing, created by and for those passionate about this sport. The End of the Apex podcast closes the week with a hangout, a regular go to for the sim racing and motorsport community, with road shows year round that select motorsport circuits. The Slow Motion podcast brings broadcaster Adam Thompson and a range of sim racers together for a deep dive into all things sim racing. The End of the Paddock podcast covers all real motorsport wrapping up the weekend action and setting the stage for the next. Our shows and hosts are uncensored. They can say what they think. This is Provocative Motorsport Talk. Thank you for being a part of the crew. This This is Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Into the Paddock podcast. We've had our break. John now sounds a little different, but Hello. <laughs> technical things. <laughs> oh, 
That's what I needed. My name's John. John. Jesus, he's got that that bassy midnight midnight radio voice now. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. <laughs> So we're, so we're starting a sister podcast about the Super Bowl and another one where John just does ASMR. Got it. Late night um, talking with John. Welcome to I hope this is comfortable tonight. I want to wrap you in a warm, fuzzy blanket. Let's quickly move on to Formula One stuff before I have feelings that I don't know how to process. Um <laughs> So we, we've covered the car launches. The other big news that happened in the last few days, um, which simultaneously, where everyone saw the headline and was like, what? And then we remembered that this was kind of always going to happen. So our, our friend that we've somehow been able to mention every show, uh, uh, FIA President he, Mohammed Ben Suleyem. <laughs> we just need to give him a credit on the show now. Yeah. He, he gives us material like every, every week. We have a new Mohammed article to talk about. It's the Silliam segment on the Into the Paddock podcast. Um, <laughs> this week, Mr. Silliam was in Morocco. No, um, I don't know where he was. Um, oh, actually, he was in Hyderabad, I believe. Anyway, um, he announced that he would be stepping down from running the day-to-day activities of Formula One and would be handing them over to the single-seater director of the FIA, Nicholas Tombasis. Um, this seemed initially I, I must admit i even thought the same with all of the weird scandals that have been going on with him in the last few months that this was maybe because of something that happened but it was actually when when uh mohammed ben Suleim was made fia president he assumed these roles and responsibilities for formula one but always said that there would come a point where once the uh, management of Formula One had been, once the shakeup of that had been completed, that he would hand control back over to a Formula One specific uh, representative. Uh, so that is just this stage of the plan um, being enacted. Um, yeah, is it though? Is it though? Because I feel like I feel like the FIA stepped in and was like, "All right, you said a lot of stupid shit." It's time for you to move out of the way. <laughs> we thought that, but it, he did. We we a couple of us have gone back and looked at when he when he got the job. He said that he would eventually hand it over. So, do you it, think even he meant now was eventually though? You know what I'm saying? Like even if it was his plan to for this to happen in the future, it it's, it's it seems very coincidental and, that and it comes at a time where we have what a lot of friction between the FIA and Formula One. So so whether it's as a result of or it was yeah. always going to happen at this time. Personally, I think it's good. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I, 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 think it's, I think it's time for somebody else to step in and start making mm. stupid tweets about how much Formula <laughs> One is worth. But, yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it may have been his plan all along to have somebody come in and replace him, but it seems very coincidental that it's happening now mm. after we've already had, like you said, several weeks of this Muhammad bin Salam news, like every week something's happening, almost every other day. Yeah, you know, you're like, all right, what am I? What am I going to open Racer Magazine today to? You know, <laughs> it's 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 a little strange, yeah. But either way, yeah, it's 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 probably good. And and the best news is is that it doesn't appear as though Nicholas Tombasis has Twitter, so we should be okay. Um, <laughs> but, um, Formula One is safe for now. 
but uh, nothing nothing majorly should change apart from the potential for headlines because you know the rules for the, the FIA rules with Formula One aren't weren't Mohammed Ben Suleyem's to change an altar and they aren't going to be Nicholas Dombass's to change an altar. That's still all down to stewards and, and all of that. So re- really, this is the kind of thing that in previous years we wouldn't have really cared about. It just happens to be because it involved our good friend, um, Mr. Suleyem, that um, <laughs> it really um, drew headlines. Um, on a, on a similarly... similarly <sighs> sort of headline worthy thing you know we've been talking about how the FIA and Formula One have been beefing over the last few weeks because of all sorts of things um Stefano Domenicali was interviewed for Sky Sports F1 in the last week um by uh, by Mr Martin Brundle and in this he was asked all sorts of questions that you would imagine he would be asked chiefly amongst Andretti and the headline from the interview was that he says that um Michael Andretti saying that the other teams were being greedy over their um, reluctance to have Andretti on the grid. He was saying that that Andretti calling them greedy was not smart. Um, I, I I think it's pretty spot on, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How much how much say do the other do the ten teams have on who gets to come in? Is it any? It's it's a weird situation. So F- Formula One teams have always had a lot more of a say in what happens to the rules than many other sports. Uh, it's it's backwards. I don't think it should be a thing. Um, right, but the Concord Agreement's good. Exactly. For it, it says twelve teams. Yeah. Right. So so l- legally, with regards to the Concord Agreement, they don't have a leg to stand on. If the FIA and Formula One choose to add two more teams, the teams have yeah. agreed to the Concord Agreement, so they can't. Oh well, then fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> say whatever you want. Say whatever you want. If they can't say no, if they don't get a vote, fuck them. It's all in the spirit of competition. <laughs> but then, oh, yeah. with Formula One being as convoluted and stupid as it is, it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if there was an amendment to the Concord Agreement that we don't know about. But it's, I, I, I would agree that you know a prospective team owner slagging off his competition before being a approved for the series wouldn't be a smart move if what he hadn't said was spot on because all we we spoke about this a couple of shows ago it's obvious that the only reason there is reluctance is that the teams don't want to dilute the prize money but they're going to get more money exactly like there's the anti-dilution fund yeah he's bringing more money so that that doesn't (laughs) happen specifically so that that doesn't happen so i don't understand what (laughs) what is y'all's beef with it's they're scared they're That's scared good. of the, yeah. Cause I mean, GM is a powerhouse. They're going to bring some good shit. I don't think they're going to be a back of the row of no. a back row team like Haas, yeah. nope. you know, Haas, Haas made his fortune on racing and, uh, big giant CNC machining lathes and shit. They're not a car company, right? They just make car parts, but now, if, with GM coming in, oh, that's a that's a powerhouse. Absolutely, yes, sir. Yeah, no, I think they're scared. Yeah, what was I, that, I, I, I said yes, sir. I don't know. If, <laughs> did, did, am I muted? <laughs> no, no, you. I think you were for a second. 
Do you want me to say it more like yes, sir? Please no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. Um, but no, yeah, I, I think that I can see where he's coming from. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what he says because the team shouldn't shouldn't have a say. Um, and yeah. <laughs> basically yeah, uh, I, I, headline being leader yeah. of the greedy doesn't like it when people are called greedy yeah. <laughs> in, in other news water is wet yeah <laughs> um, in other Formula 1 news which we've still got uh, one last little bit to talk about uh, the Vegas Grand Prix um, that's a pretty divisive topic even though we haven't even seen it happen yet um it's emerged that the authorities in vegas have granted formula one the use of the strip for the grand prix up until the end of 2032 uh, i know we haven't seen the race yet and it could be a ama- an amazing success who knows but how do we feel about potentially ten disasters of vegas <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's a long shot bet, but I mean, it's Vegas. It it's is right. Vegas. They're, they're yeah. known for gambling. There you go. <laughs> <doesn't say. laughs> they haven't even had the race yet, and the hype has already enticed them to extend it for 10 years. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, Those I think five they, million dollar seen... packages, the $5 million packages from MGM is uh, really hooking it up over there in Vegas, I guess. That's what I was going to say. They're seeing that money start to roll through, so they're like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, and annoyingly, it seems as though 10 years is one of the standard agreements that the FIA give out to race venues, because I'm pretty sure their agreement they signed with Qatar is for 10 years. Just... Mm. What? I, I've, I've spoken about this not on on the on this show, but in an ideal world, with with the calendar being so big and so many places wanting to host Formula One, in an ideal world, I would much rather there be like twenty races a season and races alternate year on year, so that we have a bit more variety in each calendar. So, say like Spain, yeah. for example, is a bit of a yeah, it's a bit bit of an annoying track. Alternate that year on year with Portimao in Portugal. And then, you know, you get a different track every year and you get both on the calendar. United States, they want to host 12 million Grand Prix in the next five years or something. Or to alternate right. them every year. Like have Miami and Vegas alternate and then have Cota and Watkins Glen. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. Never happened. That would be great. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I think, I think Vegas saw the success in Miami. Because, I mean, the race wasn't held in Miami. It was held around the Dolphin Stadium, right? Yeah. And yeah. I'm pretty sure the owner of the Dolphins made more off of the Formula One race in one weekend than he normally does an entire season of Miami Dolphins football. Uh, so, I mean, I think they're looking at the numbers and they're, they're really wanting it to stay. And with the popularity, I think it's going to do well, even if the race is shit. Yeah. Even if right. the race is shit, it's a terrible race. And the track is crap. I think I think it's going to do really well monetarily. Yeah, and just ultimately no matter, that's what matters. Yeah, just no matter what, I think it's going to bring money in. I think people are going to want to go to this race. There's you know all kinds of exclusivity surrounding you know these uber expensive uh, ticket packages and all this other bullshit. Uh, people are want to ha- will want to have the chance to go to this race. 
and uh, it makes sense from a business standpoint, but from as a, as a fan of the sport, uh, we'll see. We can only hope. Yeah. Tis a shame that they are, you know, willing to commit for so long for something that we don't know how it's going to be. But as, as you say, it, it, it could be the worst Grand Prix that we've ever seen, but monetarily, you know, if they're able to sell five million dollar tickets, it's going to go then, platinum every year. Yeah, they yeah, can be back in the Caesar's Palace year. car park for all they care. <laughs> yep. Um, that wraps up the Formula One portion, which seems to get longer and longer every week. But um, moving on to other sports uh, or other series, rather uh, briefly touching on IndyCar because we had two sort of Indy 500 related announcements. Uh, first off, uh, Catherine Legg is coming back to the Indy 500 after a couple of years away. Uh, she's going to be a- attempting to qualify or at the moment in the race, because we haven't reached over 33 entries yet, um, in the 44 car for Rahal Letterman-Lanigan. Um, this is probably, she, she's had, I believe, two other attempts or successful successful if i can speak qualifications Mm. into the race and this is probably her best bet because it's with like ray hall a good team um and she's the deal hasn't come so late that she won't be able to participate in all of the allocated practice you know they have the open test at the end of april and then they have a week of testing practice up toward qualifying in the race so yeah this is probably her best bet so far yeah, I mean her best her best starts thirtieth when she finished twenty uh, second mm. in two thousand thirteen, maybe maybe it was two thousand twelve. I don't know. She ran both those years, but yeah, uh, with with teams that don't have Indy five hundred wins, you know, I, I think I think this like you said this will be her best shot to have a successful run at the five hundred. I'd, I'd like to see her finish high. I, I want to see her win. Let's do yeah. it. They yeah. were impressed. Her and uh, what's her name? Uh, was it Kathleen Monk? Were pretty impressed at Daytona. Sheena, that's right. Her name's Christine, right? Kathleen. <laughs> Catherine. Don't, don't Catherine. <laughs> don't ask me for names ever again. Uh, but yeah, her, her and uh, in the Acura, the uh, uh, JG Wentworth eight seven seven cash now car. Were, uh, they were impressive. They had good, said they had some speed at Daytona. So, oh yeah, for Grady, cool to see her. Yeah, cool to see her get a chance here at the IndyCar again. Hmm. And she and seems to be cash now. <laughs> All right, she that. seems to be um, like it, th- this was a deal that fell through last year. Honda are really behind Catherine Leg for a reason. She, she's a very good driver, mm-hmm. um, but for, you know, th- there was a bit of a bemusement from people when this was announced that you know. She wouldn't have been my first choice for somebody else to come to the grid. There's plenty of other drivers out there who I'd have rather seen on the grid. Not that I'm unhappy that she's there. But for whatever reason, Honda seemed very keen on having her in the race. Uh, it, she almost got on the grid last year, but there weren't enough engines. Um, this year, yeah, they managed to, they've managed to get the deal across the line. And I hope she does well. Yeah, and I, as we say, probably her best shot. She's done it before. She's going to get the full testing. Yeah, it could go well. We're still not quite. So with legs entry, we're at 32 by my count um, for the Indy 500. So we're one short of the full field of 33. And then any over that means that we have bumping 
uh, from the field comeback, which is something a lot of people want to see. Um, one potential avenue for that, although I don't know whether they would try to run the 500 again, uh, Pareto Autosport. So this is the uh, all-female or female-led team that made their debut in 2021 at the Indy 500 and last year ran a couple of road course races with um, Ed Carpenter Racing. Um, Peretta announced today that they are currently searching for a new IndyCar partner. Um, so in 2021, they were partnered with Penske, I believe. In 2022, ECR for the road courses, and now they're looking for another team to partner with instead. So that, that Beth has said that they'd love to do the Indy 500 again. Um, obviously, commercially, the most viable race and the biggest race for them in terms of attracting sponsors. But yeah. It, it, it'd be great if it happens again. It's a great initiative. You've got to think they'd put Simona de Silvestro back in the car. And if they were successful, then that would mean we'd have both Leg and uh, de Silvestro in the 500. I can't remember the last time we had multiple women in the race at once. I've got a feeling it would probably be Patrick and Leg or Pippa Man. Maybe. Maybe. Not too sure. But it's been a while and needs to happen yeah. again. So. <laughs> Opening up doors. Um, with regards to who that might be, there's not many open candidates or candidates that make very logical sense. It, it, it wouldn't be any of the bigger teams because they're quite fully subscribed anyway, you would think. Um, maybe someone like Dreyer and Reinbold, who currently have a second car that they could enter Indy with. But yeah, it, it's IndyCar is exploding in popularity at the moment. So it's quite hard to find a, a spot on the grid, especially with there being limited engines and chassis available. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know who all, I don't know who all has extra cars laying around. Uh, I think you'd, you'd probably be more of an expert opinion on that than I am. So it, yeah, it would, it, it'd be tough to say who's going to grab them up, but hopefully somebody does. Mm. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah, it doesn't matter the situation. You always hate to see teams have to leave. Oh yeah. Uh, whatever series they're running just because, you know, they can't find a car, they can't find an engine or, you know, a sponsor drops out. It's only, it always sucks. It always sucks. Cause you know, you, you know, you prep for so long expecting to go in next season and for some reason or another, it just doesn't happen. I think to my knowledge, I'm just looking at the entry list, the teams that usually have the capacity to run an extra entry, be it at the 500 or elsewhere, Foyt, they ran three cars. Uh, they ran a third car for most of last year until the funding dried up for Tatiana Calderon. So there, there's potential there. Uh, Dreyer and Reinbold, as I said, they've currently only got Stefan Wilson down for one of their cars at the 500, so it could be there. Dale Coyne currently only have two, um, so they could run another one. And yeah, and then the other ones would be Ed Carpenter Racing and Penske, who Peretta have already raced for, so you've got to think that that might not happen again. Yeah. But there's well, options. Uh, McLaren, um, they seem to have a lot of money laying around getting into every <laughs> single auto sport available right now. McLaren, uh, at the moment, they have three full-time and then their fourth that they pull out on occasion. At the moment, Tony Kanaan is going to be doing the 500 with them. So nice. I, I can't imagine they would want to add a fifth. Um, but I'm just saying they could. Say, they could, they could, they've got all the money. <laughs> yeah. They, they could absolutely do it and not sweat it. I think. Yeah. But we'll see where that lines up. Um, onto the fight. Well, for the rest of the show, we're going to be talking NASCAR basically. 
um, because there's a, a small race coming um, this weekend. Uh, I don't know whether you guys have heard of it. It's called the Daytona 500. I've heard it's pretty big. Ooh, what? Um, Is it big? I don't know. They call it the Great American Race. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I thought that was um, <laughs> insert VIR personally, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Um, but well, before we get on to the fight. Lime Rock, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, Lime Rock, absolutely. Great track. <laughs> they should take NASCAR there. That wouldn't be a shit show. That'd be nuts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Could you imagine coming up over that hill? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> watching NASCARs do wheelies. <laughs> Make it happen. I think that's great. That's a great uh, idea. But before yeah, we get on the to... the back, let's get some air, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Make that the Garage 56. Yep. Um yeah, before we get on to that, um, we'll, we'll talk about some of the other NASCAR-related news. One thing that we I, I forgot to include on last week's um, run of show was during the clash at the Coliseum, Jimmy Johnson announced that he would be racing the Chicago street track as a part of his part-time schedule for Legacy Motor Club. Um, I believe he said something like he's going to run like 10 races over the season, but not all of them will be in NASCAR. So he's like, set 10 races aside that could be in any championship. And one of them is going to be Chicago. Um, we haven't had a chance to talk about the Chicago street track yet on, on the show. Um, I have my thoughts on it. What do we, what do you guys think? This is the one that looks like two squares. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it looks like two crackers next to each other, two, two crackers and a weird, really long left-hand turn coming from someone yeah. who, started their motorsport journey with road racing. I find it interesting. I, I And I think it's cool that the track was designed. Um, didn't they work with iRacing? Yeah. As far as the, the, the layout for the track, I think that's really, that I think is the epitome of you know, how this track was designed is the epitome of me as a motorsport fan. Started off with kind of liking motorsports getting into sim racing and then it's just, you know, has come to fruition. And so mm. now they have this track that was you know, generated by a sim um, and we're going to see it in real life. So I'm excited for it. Now, how will it race? I have no idea. You know, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but I think the, the idea um, of it is cool. The, how mm. it was created was cool. Yeah. The, the, the sim integration or sim integration, um, yeah, it's probably the only thing I like about it, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but you know, that's just a testament to NASCAR's partnership with iRacing. You know, right. iRacing was central to them designing the LA Coliseum. They were central to them uh, working on the reconfiguration of Auto Club, North Wilkesboro, um, and now Chicago. It's just a shame that with the sandbox that is uh, iRacing, that they weren't able to come up with a bit more of an imaginative layout than this mm. piece of shit. But um, like my I mean, son, when he tries tries to draw a dog, yeah, it looks if you like just put ears on the top part, <laughs> or or dinosaur, either one. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> at least their first turn is a left turn, so they're not immediately getting into like unknown territory. <laughs> and yeah, hasn't has NASCAR has NASCAR ever driven on a street course? No, this would be the first street course. Oh my yeah. Oh yeah, that's uh, right. I'm it, watching it, this one. <laughs> yeah, in one of the articles, Jimmy was like, "Yeah, that's something that a lot of these guys have never experienced because he's got some IndyCar experience." Mm. You know, 
even so he's yeah, terrible I'm, at it. But I mean, but <laughs> he's been terrible at more races than those guys have attended on street. Oh, of course, of course, yeah. I, I, but, like as as you said, like the the idea of doing a street race, I, I'm not opposed to. I, I personally would have preferred to have seen them go to a street course that didn't suck. Um, I still think <laughs> the idea of them all barreling down into Terminal at Long Beach would be hilarious. But yes, um, clearly this is going to be like I've I've driven the. Um, Chicago layout on iRacing and I hate it. And it's going to be awful. Could you, could you imagine if they brought back the original Daytona Beach course? I'm oh honestly surprised that they half, haven't spoken about it. <laughs> one half up the beach, the, and then turning back onto the road, and the other half on asphalt. <laughs> it's the next like step. That. Yeah. Let's let's bring that back if you want to get if you want to get old school with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I can understand why they did it because obviously they want to bring the racing to the people. It's the same kind of philosophy they went by with ta- with racing at the Coliseum. They want to put it in front of a market that wouldn't otherwise see it. But the 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 main gripe I have with it is that we're getting that track, and that track means that we're not racing at Road America. Yeah, like that's that's, that's a bummer. Awful. because yeah. <laughs> Road America is is. Probably it's the beautiful. best track in the it. United States. One of my, yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I would agree. That and, and Road Atlanta for me, but I, I think I, I prefer Road America. It's just a, a it's, beautiful racetrack. And NASCAR raced really well there when Noah Gragson wasn't deliberately turning half the field and causing massive crashes. <laughs> but um, <laughs> other than that, you know, we, we, we it, they raced brilliantly there. And instead of that, we're having this 12 turn. 90 degree mostly thing oh well i can't stop yeah, seeing it, my son drawing looks, a dog yeah it looks like a <laughs> drawing a dog and it's being held on fourth of july weekend and i've heard chicago isn't great around that time so that'll be interesting well at least the gunshots well, will uh, be masked by the fireworks so well, i was gonna say it will it's a good job these races aren't started by a starting pistol over the drivers <laughs> would have to try and distinguish which one was the right one um <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that's all part of the the show. I guess. Yeah. But it's the, um, it's the first and the second, so it won't be quite not not as bad. <laughs> um, moving on, before we get cancelled by the entire city of Chicago, <laughs> um, the other not five hundred related news is that um, Kyle Busch is returning to um, win more races in the Xfinity series. Um, Obviously, he's the, the most successful driver in Xfinity Series history. I think he got hit. Did he get his 200th win in the end? No, 100, 102nd. So, he, yeah, he got he yeah. made a big deal about wanting to get to 100 and then hit stop. He got 102 and then said he was going to stop. Now he's moved to um, uh, Richard Childress in Cup, uh, a Chevy team, and has now found a home to do some part-time races in Xfinity with Colig in the number 10 car. Um, only part-time because the series introduced limits on how many races cup drivers are allowed to do and they're not allowed to do any of the playoff races so there's quite a few restrictions on where they're going to race but Kyle will be racing the series is not for them anyway Yeah, I was just going to say like as someone like an outsider like to me that's like a, a MLB player saying you know what 
I'm gonna go play ten games in the uh, the minor leagues here for well, that, a couple. That weeks. happens all the time. It would be like Lewis Hamilton going back to F two. That's the, probably a better. That's <laughs> probably a better way to look at it. It's a good uh, and a bad thing to have the, the big guys come in. Like it, it's it's good that they're very limited now because before you saw every week Kyle was racing there and he was winning all the time and it wasn't good for the show because the the Xfinity series is about the next up and coming drivers. And if they're not given a chance to win these races, the argument was that, Oh, well they just need to beat him. Well, that's not exactly fair. It's Kyle Busch, but the the happy it's a Smurf account. (laughs) Brilliant. Um, But yeah, the, the, the opposite to this though, is that now that they're limited into doing only a couple of races, when you get the big cup guys going down to Xfinity, it actually puts more eyes on Xfinity series. So it means the young drivers are getting a chance to be seen by more people. And that makes a lot of sense. Just not when it's every single weekend. Mm. Um, but he's going to be racing at his home track, Vegas, um, Phoenix, uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway, Watkins Glen and Darlington. Um, and yeah, I guess, um, Good for him. GG to him for winning those races. <laughs> Good for him. Did you see his stupid, did you miss me, I'm back tweet? Yeah. It's very Kyle Bush, isn't it? Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm going to compare myself to Michael Jordan. <laughs> he's a very, he's, he is the epitome of love him or loathe him, Kyle Bush. I, I personally I, can't stand him, but. I had nothing him. I, I don't even, I don't even think about Kyle Bush in my day to day. I mean, I have been lately just kind of wondering what's going to go on with his uh, three, three year prison sentence in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> I, I fully respect him as a race car driver. Like he is unquestionably one of the top five most talented drivers on the grid. I would say. Um, sure. I'm not going to rank them because that would be the worst idea. Um, but yeah, he, in terms of race car driver, you know, unquestionable talent. He's just an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I know he leans into that and it's his image and it works for him. So, you know, I can't criticize him for that, but just, just doing his best Tony Stewart, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I like Tony. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I don't like Tony for reasons we won't get into this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also talk about 500 related news. Um, although this one, actually, I've just remembered there's one more that doesn't actually affect the 500 technically. Um, after hitting quite a few people over the course of the Clash weekend, um, it was announced that, well, this wasn't as a result of, but uh, Todd Gilliland in the 38 uh, front row Ford uh, suddenly is not going to be racing that car full-time. Zane Smith, who is uh, one of the up-and-coming drivers in uh, the Xfinity series, um, is going to be racing part-time, I believe only for about four or five races at the moment, in that car. And the interesting thing about this was that Todd Gilliland didn't actually know about this in, like until very recently. So, you know... How you get you- hard on your day off? <laughs> you crash into everyone at the clash, I guess. Um, I guess it doesn't. He wasn't that bad, but um, yeah, it's one of those things. Like, you know, I would argue that Zane Smith is more worthy of that seat than he is, so he's lucky that he's getting any of the races. But we'll see, I guess. Um, but yeah, on to the five hundred. Um, it's going to be a big one. It always is. Um, we'll very quickly have a look at the entry list here. Because um, 
The key thing here is that there's 40 spots in the field, and that means that two cars are going to go home because we have 42 uh, registered and one that had withdrawn. Uh, there was meant to be a, a number 180 car by Finish Line Motorsports Marketing that huh. um, pulled out over the weekend, um, which is a shame. But yeah, we're still going to see two drivers, two of the open teams um, miss the race. The way it works is so this is a little convoluted for Daytona. Um, so we have single car qualifying which I believe is going to be on like the Tuesday or Monday or something like that, uh, a date in the run-up to the 500. Um, I think it starts tomorrow. Potentially, yeah. They change it every year. Speed Weeks is now like Speed Week. Um, <laughs> so after the single car qualifying, the top two, the front row will be locked in. They will start there unless they wreck their car during the rest of the week and then have to go to a backup. Um the other people that will be locked into the field at that point will be the two fastest open cars. So that are those are the cars that are not that don't own a charter. So all of the full time cars basically are all chartered teams. So they're guaranteed entry to whatever race they are. They don't go home. Um, but the you then have uh, six open entries, which are Chandler Smith in the thirteen, Zane Smith in the thirty six, Connor Daly, which we'll get onto in a moment, in the fifty. Uh, Austin Hill in the 62, Travis Pastrana in the 67, and Jimmy Johnson in the 84. Any one, any two of those six could end up not racing if they either don't qualify in the top two positions in uh, single car qualifying, or if they don't then race into the race in the duels. Um, the way the duels work, the field is split in half. Um, it sets the rest of the grid order bar the front row for each side of the grid. It's really convoluted to explain to new fans. This system sucks. But it's mm. essentially two 150-mile races, um, and yet it sets each side of the grid. So the odd-numbered cars are in one race, the even-numbered cars are in another. And, yeah, as I mentioned with the open entries, wh whoever are the lowest two of the open entries will then go home. They will not race in the Daytona 500. Um Looking specifically at the open entries first, as we said, Connor Daly uh, announced in the last week that he will be attempting to qualify for the money team in the 50 car. This is the team that he raced with at the uh, Charlotte Roval. Um, firstly, it's it's cool that Connor is doing this. It's always cool to see crossover with other series. But looking at him with all of the other um, open cars, who do we think is the most likely to go home i would um, probably say connor is one of them that's what i was gonna say connor travis too i mean i don't uh, the thing know, is i pulled coming, for him, travis but. is this is not travis's first time in a in a stock car i mean he's never been in the next gen car but the, the, that dude can wheel any fucking thing you put in his hand so i i don't think he's a wild card i think he's gonna make it if you're talking about who's gonna be the bottom two uh connor and zane yeah on, honestly um because yeah you look at if it were any other track if, then if, you would yeah, it could be from, anyone yeah but the 500 is you know it's all about who has the best equipment really with regards to whether you make it on time. And then the, the question mark is, you know, cause I think Travis Pastrana being in the 2311 car, which is a really strong package. Usually at super speedways, look at what Bubba has been doing the last few years. 
Um, and with Denny Hamlin being in a Toyota and winning so often at these races, I think Travis has the ability to definitely qualify his way in on single car qualifying. Um, but if he were to not get one of those positions, then it could be a bit dicey if he has to then race his way in because he hasn't been doing this for a while. So yeah. I, I guess he's conditional on how he does. Like I think he's got a stronger chance of, of qualifying his way in on time rather than racing his way in. Um, I agree. None of us have even mentioned Jimmy Johnson because that almost seems unthinkable that he wouldn't qualify. <laughs> yeah, right. could you imagine? <laughs> imagine Travis Pastrana knocking Jimmy Johnson out of the field. <laughs> I don't even want to think about that. I don't even want to think about it. I love Jimmy Johnson so much. He's such a good guy. Yeah, but, but Jimmy's a case of like, you know, it, it's very likely that the um, Legacy Motor Club car is going to be fast enough to qualify on time. And Jimmy is, is Jimmy Johnson. But if he doesn't qualify in on time, you've got to think his experience will help him race his way in. So he's like yeah. almost, he's almost the opposite of Travis, where Travis might struggle to race his way in, but could qualify in. Um, you know, you look at Austin Hill. He's with Beard Motorsports, which tends to be a bit of a field filler. So his equipment might hurt him, but he is a very good driver. You know, he he unquestionably is going to end up in Cup Series full time at some point. Um, so again, I'd be quite confident of him racing his way in. Um, Zane Smith as well, like in the 36 for front row, front row, you know, they've won a 500. <laughs> um yeah, that was a race of attrition, but they are getting quicker. So you've got to think Zane Smith. Zane Smith's quite a good driver, as I just mentioned, being in quite good equipment. He could make it. And then, that, yeah, that leaves Chandler Smith, but Chandler Smith's in a Corlig car. And Corlig are pretty good at super speedways too. So I think there is the potential that one of these guys... We, we could lose Jimmy. It's quite <laughs> open, if you'll excuse me. I mean, it could be anyone, but... I, with Connor Daly, I didn't even know the money team had a racing team. Yeah, the, it's and so, Floyd Mayweather's team. Uh, right, they're they're right. very new. I, I think they are the only one that you could pretty much guarantee aren't going to make it. Um, you think you think that's a guarantee? I think it's the strongest chance. It is the one that I'd be prepared to put the most money on. Again, forgive the pun. Um, not making it because <laughs> equal they, they've got a car that isn't that fast for single car traditionally, and Connor hasn't got the experience of doing super speedway racing in cup. So, I, I, he, yeah, he would be the one that I would put the most on not making it. But even then, we've seen weird shit happen in these races. We have, we have. So, but yeah, I, I, like I said, I don't even know. Uh, Floyd had a team. Yeah. The other day when I was looking at this uh, roster here, can we talk about some of these sponsors? <laughs> uh, yeah, there's one that I've seen which is quite confusing on on uh, uh, Eric Jones's car, uh, Guns yes. and Roses. <laughs> that was one. That was the first that I was going to bring up was Guns and Roses. <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? I tried to Google it. I tried to see like you know. I, the only thing I could find was. Uh, was Eric went to a Guns N' Roses concert one time and tweeted about it. <laughs> I don't know where this is coming from, but also Tootsie's Orchid Lounge for uh, Daniel Suarez and Trackhouse oh, yeah. Racing. That's my team. The Tootsie's <laughs> sponsor was on it quite a lot last year, and it's it yeah. weird per slaps. It's quite a good livery. Um, yeah. I'm going to send you... Um, there it is. Oh, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at pictures <laughs> of it now. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? What? Um, 
is going on? <laughs> I'm going to need you to bring up. I've, I've just linked you to Noah Gragson's paint scheme for this race in in our little side chat here. I'm going to get you to bring that up because, as much as I'm not a fan of Noah, um, I have a. I think this might be my favorite paint scheme in the race. Is it from? Uh, Pussies? No, no. So this is this is uh, Noah in the forty uh, forty three car for um legacy motor club uh, in the 42 car sorry for next for legacy motor club um he's being sponsored by wendy's i i put it in our chat so you the could beef. Be the beef but um for, the, for those wendy's, you have, wendy having a helmet on sorry wendy's got a helmet on i haven't even seen that where is this oh my god she you're does talking about, you're, you're talking about the wendy's car right yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, I, yeah, I hadn't, yeah. I paid too much attention to the burger on the hood that I hadn't seen that she's wearing a helmet. And it says the beef across the hood. I love it, but yeah, Wendy's definitely wearing a helmet. That's super. Uh, yeah, that I'm, might I'm be share, my. Favorite I'm sharing my screen. Or... I'm sharing my screen in the. Yeah, I well, can't I see show. that. Oh, so. all I can see is Google Images still, but. Um, yeah. Oh. Oh, but, I got it in the wrong. Again, this is great stuff for a podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that might be my bet for livery of the of the race already, because that's just awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's who we might think may or may not qualify. Um, I guess the big question is who do we think wins the race? If it's at all possible to try and predict these races, which usually end up being crapshoots. Um, uh, the guy who stays clean, you know, that uh, tends to be <laughs> right. You can't, I don't know that I can't predict a 500 ever. I've never gotten one. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's such a crap shoot at the end. What's the, what's the 500 attrition rate been? Oh, it's been awful. Like to, to put it into perspective, BJ McLeod is going for three top tens in a row this year. And his car is dog shit. So it like the last few years there have been like less than ten clean cars on the final lap. It, yeah, it's, it's been, been it's been in the the eighty percent range or something for the past oh I want to say five, six years, something like that. Yeah, it's definitely gotten worse over the last few years. Um and, and it's and, always right at the end. Yeah, it, you've just got to look at like the top tens of the last few years. I'm just going to quickly bring it up now, just to read off some of the names that have managed to score top tens um, in the last couple. And annoyingly, I can't find it, so I'm just going to have to remember. Like you know, you've got Corey LaJoy managing to do it several times. Um, BJ McLeod, uh, you know, just names that are usually in cars that are these field fillers, like we were talking about with um, with the money team. You know, if you can qualify and you can just stay clean, as you say, there is a high chance you're going to be at least in the top 10. And if you have a clean car on that final lap and you're in the top 10, you could win the damn thing. Who knows? So yeah. it's it's hard to predict it. But the odds have, I believe, Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney all at equal odds of like 12 to 1 or something like that. Um, Denny, I can understand, given that he's won so many of them over the last few years. Um, but all it takes is one. one Out of wreck. those, I think I put my money on Blaney. Uh, Blaney, Blaney, Ryan Blaney. Yeah, he, he's a strong one, yeah. and especially after the last few years, you know, he came oh so close in that 
uh, finish with which resulted in Ryan Newman's horrific crash. You know, he was so close there. Was it, 20, was it 2019? 19 or 20. I don't remember the years. Yeah. I think it was 19 because I think it was pre-COVID just. Um, yeah. And then, of course, you had um, he, he got moved out of the way, let's say, by his teammate uh, Austin Sindrick last year uh, for the win. So he, he's come so close and he really wants it. So, yeah, he deserves one. He's been, for sure. you know, like we just said, there for the win on the last lap on the checkered flag for the past few years. It's, it's his time. Yeah. And it, it could be any of them. Like who would have put money on Austin Sindrick doing it last year? Um, you know, his I bet first not Ryan Blaney. No, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, yeah, he was in a Penske. Um, and yeah, he'd come off of the back of uh, winning an Xfinity championship, but still, you know, in your first start as a full-time rookie to win the 500, you know, and we've seen it before, you know, Trevor Bain winning it in 2011, you know, this is probably one of the, it's probably the, the crown jewel race in the world that literally anyone could win. And that's why, you know, you the five, yeah, that, that's, that's why the 500, you know, it, it, it is a crapshoot, but it's hard not to, to love it because of just the sheer unpredictability of it. Um, yeah, I'm excited for it. <laughs> I'm looking forward. I can't wait. And it looks like there's not going to be any threat of rain this year, Touchwood. So we might not have to wait ages. Lightning might still be a thing because it's Florida, but who knows? Um, but we shall see. We'll have that uh, obviously next week. Um, we also have a guest coming on next week's show, don't we? Uh, yeah. Yes, we do. Uh, yes. Yay. Looks like we've <laughs> locked down uh, an interview with. You'll find out next week. See you guys later. No, we're so no, we're going to be interviewing Luca Mars. He is 16 year old driver, drives for Core Motorsports in the number 59 Mustang, and made his debut this year in the number 85 JDC Miller Motorsports LMP3. Also, yep, super excited to get to talk to him. I, I honestly didn't realize until you mentioned earlier that he's only 16. He's a decade younger than me, and that makes me feel <laughs> yeah, very yeah. old all of a sudden. Yeah. I'm not going to mention it's my, accomplished my a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, forward so to we, it. yeah, we've Hopefully got that we to look forward to. Too much. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll manage, especially if you mention <laughs> edging again. Uh, <laughs> You're, but, I tell you what, you've, you've mentioned it more than I have. <laughs> on air, sure, but like all week, it's so, been a problem. I mean, you're really putting me on edge with all of your edges. You, so. you mentioned it a few times on my Twitch stream. <laughs> <laughs> what, me? No. Well, before John gets a restraining order, we'll have to end the episode there. Um, yeah, join us next week for um, our interview with Luca Mars. In the meantime, you can follow us all on social media. Um, follow Into the Paddock, which is at in two, the number two, uh, the paddock on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can follow myself, uh, jgroves1996. Uh, you can follow Mr. Greg on... Uh, everything. You can just search Speed Rat Racing on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, uh, all the things. Find me. Talk to me. Ask me questions. Call him, beep him if you want to reach him. And uh, John? 
I'm I, I consider my social media experience it's a, it's a YOLO. You only log on, so meaning like I don't post a whole lot. However, I'm working on it. But uh, Twitter is is Javik J E J E V I C K J E. I think I'm just John Javicki at on Instagram and. Um, if you Google John Javicki, you might see like Allstate and some asshole pop up on there. So give him a call <laughs> if you want insurance. Uh, anywho. <laughs> <laughs> no such but thing as a shameless plug here. That's right. no such. No such. <laughs> but uh, no, that's that's all for me. It's been great. Excellent. So give us all a follow on those socials um, and be sure to tune in next week for our reaction to the Daytona 500 and our interview with Luca Mars. But in the meantime, take care, everybody, and see you next time. See you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Into the Paddock by the ITA Podcast Network. Join us next time for more provocative motorsport talk.